What if it's not too late? What if you truly can retire confidently? I'm Telton W. Hall, certified financial planner and best-selling author of The Secure Solution, creating a high-quality retirement in a low-interest rate world. My team and I have engaged in thousands of retirement planning sessions with middle and upper middle class Americans, people like you with their own unique fears and families and their own messes and their own successes. And they have done just that, retired confidently. If you're willing to go with me, I can tell you how. It's story time. Let's go. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the podcast. Thanks for joining me this week. I got to tell you, you're not going to believe it again. I'm super, super excited. I have a couple guests with me on the podcast today. Uh, I will introduce them here briefly and then get right into their story. So with me on the podcast today are Eric and Emily Orton. I have met Eric. We, we've had a few actually business meetings together. And then that includes, you know, lunch and dinner. And I know that I want somebody on my podcast when during a lunch, I just keep thinking like, listen, everybody stop talking and just ask Eric questions because I want to hear this story. I want to hear all these details. And so afterwards I grabbed, I said, Hey, you want to come on the podcast? And, uh, we'll figure out some way to apply the amazing experiences and expertise that you and Emily and your family have had. We'll figure out how to apply that to finances more than anything. We just want to get your story out there. So Emily and Erica, thanks for being on the podcast with me today. Hey, thanks for having us, Telson. It's so fun to be with you. You are very welcome, Telson. And no problem. We're going to talk about money. Well, uh, position that at some point here. So the quick uh, backstory well, in fact, w- when it comes to to just framing Emily and Erica, so let's start. Probably the easiest place to start is with the the sailing adventure that you guys took for a year. You said we're out of here, we're leaving New York, and we're going on a sailing adventure. Wrote Seven at Sea. It had tremendous success with with that book. In fact, remind me. I remember we were talking about. At one point, you were on several different television shows being interviewed after that. Uh, What was it? To help me out. We we were on the news in L.A. We did a talk show out of Nashville. We we were on the news in New York City. And the Uh, Hallmark Channel. We were on the Hallmark Channel, which was, you know, a life goal of mine. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, I love it. And Seven at Sea has been super successful book from there folks are like come talk to us so you you've uh, had speaking engagements um we have talked quite a bit about how then you have taken those experience and turned them into a, a coaching program one where you actually take people out sailing and then one which is just more uh available to people where you actually you know do zoom calls and through home telephone yeah. yes where you can take them through that coaching and help them uh learn some of the experiences that you took away from that experience. So just just a, a plethora of experiences and expertise. So let, let's start here. First off, part of your bio that I loved how they started their bio is we've been married since 1996. That gives you an element of the importance that family is to Eric and Emily in the midst of all of these adventures. So often folks postpone the family in pursuit of the adventure. And you guys haven't done that. So first, talk to me about 
has it been an ongoing decision or was it a was it known up front that it's like we're not going to postpone family in pursuit of adventure we're going to do those things together how did that come about and then tell us about your five kids Okay, Emily, go. I will. This because it goes back to 1996, and we had to write that so we didn't have to keep rewriting our bio. Been married 20 years. Been married 22 years. I just said we started in 96. We're still going. That's right. Get your calculator out. Do the math. Right. Established nation 96. And and how it started, like it's it's a pretty big adventure to to get married and to think about having a family. We think it's the greatest adventure. And in fact, we dedicated our book to our kids and told them that in the front that you were always our greatest adventure. Um, but just getting started at that point, we were we were pretty young when we got married and it was pretty scary to imagine starting a family. But the way we thought about it as we considered it some more was that, you know, Eric thought, we'll just have to sit at home and stare at children all day and we'll never get to do anything fun again and that's like it's an oversimplification but it's a pretty common feeling that's why so many people like they've invented a whole new vacation called the baby moon where like you got to hurry and have fun one last time before your children are born and I don't agree with that concept any any you know time you want to travel that's fine but life gets better and better so we just decided that for our family the way we were going to look at it is that we were the nucleus and we were going to be inviting children to join us on our journey. And we were going to show them how to live a good life so that when they break off from our, you know, Adam, <laughs> they would be able, they would be equipped to start their own adventures and they would have seen how it's done and what it looks like. And that's, that's just been our approach. Amen. I like it. I have a follow-up question on that. You got to give us the quick recap, though. Tell us about your your five kids, so we can get a, a picture of the sure. the Orton family. I'll give I'll give the rundown. Do you want you want where they are now? Yeah. Kind of. There? Okay. So our uh, we have five kids. Our oldest is twenty five. Um, she works as an executive for a new startup, and she actually is our next door neighbor, uh, which <laughs> we're very happy about. It's like we live in Seinfeld. <laughs> Uh, yeah, we've got a daughter who is going to college in Hawaii. She's studying entrepreneurship and computer science, and uh, she's coming home to, she'll be moving here this summer. Um, and then we've got a daughter who's in, uh, out in West Virginia at the moment. Um, and we've got a son who lives home with us. He's, uh, sorry, I should give ages. Karina is 25. Allison is 23. Sarah Jane is 21. Eli is 17 and our youngest lily is 15 she's born with down syndrome and um anyway we can talk he's so totally fearless <laughs> we can we can talk a lot about each of them but her especially and um anyway they, that's that's the, those are their ages now and they were ages 6 to 16 when we moved on to a sailboat for a year to give you some some context yes perfect that is perfect and i have met i, I feel like at breakfast i met lily visited with her yeah um I did make the the potential boyfriend list. I, I think I'm number 17 of like 35 on the, I think, yes. Sometimes she vacillates. Sometimes she tells people she has 10,000 boyfriend. Sometimes it's a couple hundred. She's in love with love. She would love her. <laughs> oh, she was so funny. She said, oh, you're nice. I'll put you on my boyfriend list. And then later in the conversation, she said, I just moved you up to number 17. Uh, wow, you're like top twenty. Uh, yeah, that's all. I was like, well, first I didn't know that you know I could get uh, 
get uh, advanced get so so quickly. Yes. So she's fun. She's super, super delightful. So I want to ask this question because I wonder how uh, how much pushback you get just for this concept of we're going to the the parents are the nucleus of this. There seems to be either consciously or subconsciously an idea that the kids are the most important element of the family and that the parents, you know, should should potentially kind of lay their lives down and, you know, on the stone altar and, uh, and be sacrificed, you know, whatever. Ooh, it's getting dramatic. Wow. <laughs> Up in the States there, Tuffin. <laughs> so... That that was it. That was a jest. And so that was to be funny, but the, but the life kind of does, you know, get potentially postponed or or made um, of, of a less important while we'll, you know while we're raising kids. And so I just initially thought, I wonder if there's some pushback that comes if you're going to talk about this concept of parents are the nucleus. Well, before we dive in on our approach, I just want to say there are a lot of amazing parents who have taken that approach of saying like, I'm going to sacrifice myself to to raise um, my kids up and I know that those kids are are really grateful and then they're looking for mentors to say like now what do I do who's going to show me the way now that I've had all these opportunities yeah so that's an interesting concept then obviously they it does provide a lot of opportunities and experiences for those children and if they're in that stage then that's great you're there now you can find a mentor to say okay what's the next step to show me how to move on to you know to to be the the one driving the boat specifically for you guys would be the one in charge. I could see that. What was your take, Eric? I think really it's, um, sorry, let me gather my thoughts here. I think that it actually works out better when there's more to be gained than parents realize by, by not doing that. Because trust me, this was, this was the approach that I had coming into marriage that this is why I was hesitant to have kids. This was why I felt like I was going to be giving up so much because I felt like I would then sort of be subservient to their needs, to their growth, to their, um, to their future until they're off on their own. And so I was really hesitant to have kids at all. Obviously, we overcame that. I mean, five we, times. we had our first child when we'd been married 18 months. So yeah, we got married when we were 21. So, um, and so I, I think that it's a little bit of a, it's a little bit um, counterintuitive is probably the way to think of it is that when kids grow up and they see their parents just giving up everything and doing the grind to make life possible for them, I think unintentionally we, we can make adulthood look very unappealing, which I think makes kids say like, I actually don't want to grow up. I don't want to just go up to get into a job where I just work all the time and everything is about providing and it's sacrifice and it's um it's just a drag and now don't get me wrong i think there's there's nobility in work there is honor in you know in in providing for your family and and so i've taken great pride in doing that you know to a large extent for our family over the years that we've been married i guess what i'm saying is that when we flip it and we say hey you know what as parents if we actually go out there and we live the best life we possibly can if we actually pursue the things that interest us, the things that light us up, the things that fill us with satisfaction and joy, our kids get to see right in front of them what it can look like to have an amazing adult life. And then they feel inspired 
to step into that kind of life for themselves. And, and so I think we, and Emily and I, we call that double return parenting. One, the parent gets to live a life that they really enjoy. Satisfying. Like Satisfying. The, there's a lot of effort, but it's worth the effort. Yeah. And there's still sacrifice. There's there, and anything that's worth doing. We, you know, we do sacrifice. And then the kids get the benefit of seeing that happen at very close proximity. And then they are primed to step into that kind of life for themselves, which is ultimately what I think we want as parents. And so we call it a double win. It's, a, you know, if you can have, I don't know what investments you might have that are, you know, like a double win or a double return investment, but that's what we call this double return parenting because it's, it's something that pays off both for mom and dad and the kids. Yeah. I mean, I think we all agree, like the best thing for the kids is if they can, you know, ideally the ideal scenario is seeing their parents in healthy, a healthy situation. Like for us, it's like, oh, we get to show our kids that what a healthy marriage looks like. And um, we don't want them to grow up and not take care of themselves or not look for, you know, someone who treats them well and not continue developing their talents. So, yeah, I think everything Eric said just really nailed it. Which then is interesting to me when I look at that from folks that are are in our wheelhouse. They are from maybe several years out and they want to retire and potentially they have been in what let's call it the grind they have been, even if they've you know changed careers a few times at least for some parts of their life they're like i'm just showing up and i'm working hard and i'm making an impact and i'm saving because i really want something different um so you've got that group that that's preparing for retirement and then you've got that group that's retirement which across the board i mean to a t every one of my clients that we help into retirement they say tell me this is scary, even though we're prepared and with the work we've done together, it's really clear to us. It still feels scary. Like we're jumping out into this black abyss that we've never done that before. And then you have the folks that are, that are in retirement and, 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 you know, and, and they've, they're going they're in that groove. and they're, yeah, they're in that groove and they actually are, are having a little bit more of that experience that you're talking about where they feel just a touch more freedom to try to explore what they're interested in and what they want to do. And the point that I wanted to make is that sometimes I see this, that folks, even in retirement, they're in that groove and really they probably do have the flexibility to try some different things. Mentally, they spent so long pre-retirement, so long in well, we should come up with a different word because I don't love the grind, but let's call it the grind for right now. The kind of, you know, in that monotony of of building towards that, mm-hmm. that their mind automatically reverts back to, oh yeah, now this is the new, this is the new grind. This is the new monotony. <laughs> you know what I mean? And I don't, and I don't want to deviate from that. So what I'm hearing you say, and to, in some extent is by having the, the courage to pursue some of these interests that we have along the way, particularly while we're raising children and, and even grandchildren are watching that it can help just change that, that mindset, change that mentality a little bit more. Totally. And, and I'll say this, I think we specifically chose to go on our sailing trip when we did, because we wanted to do it before our kids left home. Our oldest was uh, 16. 16 and we wanted to take the trip before she graduated from high school, because we knew that after that, Life would never be the same. You know, our kids are obviously still, we're close as a family and we do 
you know, see each other and spend time together, but we're never, it's very rare that we're all back under the roof again at the same time. And so we knew that that was a singular opportunity and we didn't want to miss it, even though it, it had nothing to do with the traditional timeline for retirement. We knew that that opportunity had a, had a window on it and that window was closing and we wanted to jump through that window. And so I'll say there are some things that if you wait until you reach traditional retirement age, they're just no longer a possibility. That can be logistics. It can also be physical health. It can be all kinds of, you know, limitations that we don't always factor in when we just consider the financial aspect of it. And so that's why we went when we went. And the other is, and we can dive into this deeper if you'd like, but we kind of got this idea. We stole this idea of mini retirements from some of our our mentors, people that we were following and learning about who would do these kinds of adventures before the traditional retirement age and how they worked in many, I'll call them pre-retirements or mini retirements along the way so that they weren't just waiting and saving it all up for one sort of grand moment when you hit 65 or, or, you know, whenever that mark is that you kind of, you've stretched that muscle and you're used to going into some of these kinds of experiences so that they're not so foreign when you get to a, a place where you're traditionally able to do those kinds of things. I like that. I like that a lot. Sorry, Emily, go ahead. I was going to say, maybe we could call it the groove instead of the grinds that sound cooler. <laughs> That's right. I'm in the groove. I'm in the groove. Yeah, I like groove. But I mean, what? the clients that you're working with, they're being very intentional about what their goals are. That's you know, true. They're saying, this is what matters to me. This is what's important to me. This is what I'm aiming for. And so this is where I'm going to pour my resources, whether it's money or time or energy. And that's a whole different feeling than what so many people who are just sort of drifting along being like, I guess I have to keep working until I hit a certain age or like what, like, like that it's just the de facto, the default. I haven't really thought about what are my priorities in life? What's my end game? Um, so that's totally different. We definitely don't think, oh, everyone needs to do exactly the thing that we did. But what I do recommend to everyone is being thoughtful and intentional about what kind of life you want to have so that the decisions you're making right now lead you there. And it is true that, you know, like you're saying, if you've gone from being in the, this one groove so long that you chose because that was your priority. And when you can tell yourself that, you definitely feel like I am driving the boat here because I chose this and I'm doing it for my own reasons. I could do something else, but I'm not. I'm doing this. That's that's just really different than drifting. And for us, when we came to the decision that we wanted to live on a boat, it affected our finances tremendously. First of all, we said this could ruin us financially. What's our value system here? Like, what are we hoping to get out of this? And we decided that it would be worth it, even if it destroyed us financially. Because this was that only window like this. Um, but at the same time, as we prepared financially for it, we said, oh, no, we're not going to participate in that class or buy that thing or do this or that because we're funneling our our financial resources towards this goal. And it was actually quite inspiring for the whole family. The kids weren't complaining like, how come I can't be in that you know, community play? I know. Our family is gearing up to go on this trip together because our parents want to make these memories. We want to do this thing. This is our thing. You know, the dream was big enough that it fit the whole family and and finances were a huge part of it. And and I guess 
being in the position to say, we're choosing to make this trade-off. I don't even really want to use the word sacrifice. We were always like it's selling, like we're always, you know. Placing good with better. Yeah, we were. Placing better with best. Yeah, we were upcycling. We were like, oh, we're going we're gonna to hold off on this little short-term thing for this bigger goal that we have. And it was big enough that it inspired everybody to happily relinquish those short-term things. Yeah. So I, there are four or five really good points there. First off, the intentionality, right? That, um, and I, we see that happen. There's this transition that happens when somebody actually goes through the retire confidently program, or if it's, if it's our personal investment advisory business where they actually come in and say, okay, I'm serious about retiring that to your point, there's this substantial mentality shift that happens. They, because they, at that point, they have taken this step to say, I'm going to be intentional about this. I'm actually going to decide what are my core values? What's really important to me? What do I want to accomplish? And then we're going to chart that out. We're literally going to chart that course. And they go from, I love your, your phrase there, they go from drifting to driving the boat at that point. And it's scary for them. It's, it's a scary move for people to feel like, what if I don't like the course that I'm on once I actually pull out all these charts and figure out where I'm going? And it's easier to just keep drifting. And so it takes a, a stab of, of courage and, and grit to go out there. So that's, I just, that's a perfect, perfect point. And I want listeners to recognize that and if you feel some angst around it, like it's not like you're crazy or weird or, or, or that you'll never retire just because you feel angst around it. It's just recognizing that, oh, yeah, it can be a little uncomfortable to be that, to be that precise with your intentions. So I love that point. And then the point that you made of being in the groove, you're exactly right, because two people can be doing the same exact job, having a, you know, similar careers, similar saving goals. But one of them recognizes, oh, this is towards this end goal and the way they feel about it and the way they interact with their career and the way they interact with their family and the way they interact with their families is super positive compared to somebody that is drifting. And so they're in the same place as the other person, but yet they interacted negatively with it. Hey, Telton here. I hope I'm not interrupting the, the groove, <laughs> but I just wanted to intentionally jump in right here and tell you we're going to separate this interview into three parts so you successfully finished part one be sure to subscribe so you don't miss part two or three of my interview with the ortons on the retire confidently podcast hey folks one last thing if you have not checked out the retire confidently program recently you really need to we have drastically changed the cost associated with that program. So to go to teltonhall.com forward slash program and then click sign up and then put in the discount code podcast, podcast, all caps. You're going to be blown away at the price that you'll pay for what a program that could massively change your retirement outlook, your confidence towards your retirement and make thousands, ten thousands, even hundreds of thousands of dollars of difference in your retirement. Don't miss this. Take advantage of it right now. Teltonhall.com forward slash program. Click sign up. Use the discount code podcast in all caps. And for the price of, I mean, the less than a pair of basketball shoes, less than 
a really nice dinner out, you can get access to a program where we've seriously tried to give you every tip, every trick, every piece of education, every strategy that we can to turn any angst you have about retirement into confidence towards your retirement. Check it out, teltonhall.com forward slash program. I am super excited for you. Your future retired self is ecstatic for you.